Hi everyone, welcome to Path to Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. Amon here, continuing our Warband Wisdom series where Jonathan and I are taking turns covering each Warband with a special guest. We want these episodes to be as evergreen as possible, but as a point of reference, this episode was recorded on June 17th, 2020. In regards to the game state, we are currently in the post-Hrothkorn's Mantrappers and the Wormspat release. My special guest today is Benny Monahan, is here to talk to me about Stormsire's Cursebreakers. They are the first Nightfault warband, and we're pretty excited to continue the series going into the second season of Warhammer Underworlds. Benny, how are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's good to be a part of the Warband Wisdom series. I'm enjoying it so far. Happy to hear that. You know, we just want people to learn some tips and tricks behind the warbands. And so I know that you've been spending a lot of time playing Cursebreakers. In fact, you uh, you mained them for a while, right? Yeah, I played them for quite a long time. I brought them to two Grand Clashes and had some decent success with them. So, yeah, played them for probably too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, uh, they're, they're quite strong, and I, I can see why you did. A, a lot of people like to hate on the Cursebreakers, but, you know, they're, they're, they're a pretty solid warband in today. We're going to show those haters why they should maybe turn into appreciators instead. So. Yeah. <laughs> but before we get into the warband itself, I have a couple guest questions for you. So, um, yeah. you know, just so that our listeners can learn more about you um, and understand your experience with Warhammer, with wargaming in general, and uh, set you up to uh, uh, get into those curse breakers. So first question, how long have you been involved with the hobby? Yeah, well, I actually started relatively late compared to most people. I started at the end of Night Vault, uh, mm-hmm. probably last July, so about 11 months ago. Um, basically, my friend just brought uh, the Night Vault set once and just said, do you want to have a game? And went from there, became obsessed, <laughs> bought everything, uh, watched a lot of videos, and just haven't really looked back since. That's awesome. So 11 months ago, you had no idea what this game was, and then now you're winning yeah. online events. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, have you played Wargaming before Underworlds, or was this kind of your first foray into miniature tabletop gaming? Well, this is my first foray. I've always uh, liked the models and like going into Games Workshop just to have a look and being into fantasy and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's my first first time playing any game like this. Nice. So you finally uh, took the leap. Yeah. yeah. It was a bit daunting to... Uh, go into a whole Warhammer or Warhammer 40k it seemed like a lot to have to buy and things but with this uh, you just sort of get set up with a couple of warbands and off you go yeah that's probably my favorite part about it and you can flip flop between warbands if you want yeah cool so um, <clears throat> when did you so we knew you started playing 11 months ago what aspect of the game do you enjoy the most I mean you mentioned a little bit about it being pretty accessible um, but what do you find most fun yeah, well, just I love the the amount of different warbands you can be and the different play styles and just having to work out your opponent's play style. And I'm also very competitive, so I really enjoy the competitive aspect of it. Just uh, the deck building as well. I'm a big fan of deck building and just trying out new ideas and going against other people's ideas and seeing how that develops over time. So I pretty much enjoy all aspects of the game. <laughs> So all, all aspects, but a lot of it is focused on that, you know, sounds like the more cerebral aspects of it, which is playing against, you know, equally skilled opponents, trying to outplay them as well as building the perfect deck, right? 
Yeah, there's nothing about it, I don't know. A really close game where both decks are working very well and well, it just comes down to a couple of things, a couple of decisions. I, I can agree. Those are the most fun and most rewarding. Uh, win or lose, I think. Um, yeah, so sure. you mentioned deck building. Do you have a background in card card gaming? No, I've, uh, I'm going to say I've never uh, really been into that either. So it's oh, definitely okay. my first... Started fresh on this, but I've played a lot of it in the last 11 months, so <laughs> I've just really got my skills from playing this game. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, and uh, I mean, it's it's pretty cool that you know you you just kind of jumped into a game 11 months ago and you're enjoying so many cool aspects about the hobby, this game in particular, and um, you know, better late than never, right? So, yeah, sure, glad you're in. Um, so speaking specifically of Warhammer Underworlds, are there any special achievements you're currently proud of? Yeah, well, one in the online event recently. It's probably my biggest achievement. It was the 62 players. Um, mm-hmm. I was pretty happy with myself with that. Um, on my first Grand Clash, I also made the uh, top 16. That was with Kirschbriggers. I uh, came mm-hmm. 10th on the end. Nice. Um, I've also won a few local events. So still a lot to achieve. Still want to go for that big Grand Clash, but... There's still time. <laughs> Absolutely. And you also won the local online, or not the local, but the online community league, right? Yeah, I also won that recently. That was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So 11 months in and you're just uh, taking full advantage of quarantine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Good, good. Um, so in terms of the game or anything in this hobby, are you working on anything special? Are you Are you painting the models or... Or building anything, converting stuff. What's going on there? Well, I'm not a very good painter whatsoever. Um, I actually have my dad as an artist, so I send over to Ireland. I send over him some war bands, and he paints them for me. Uh, I'm just about able to build the, the models, so I'm, I'm yeah. not very artistic at all. It all for me, it all comes down to the actual playing of the game. I wish it was better, and I could actually paint my own stuff, but <laughs> it would just be terrible. Well, well, practice makes perfect, right? And it looks like you've got... You said your dad is, is very artistic? Yeah, he, he really yeah. enjoys it. So he, he does paints a lot of the war bonds for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, one way or another, they're going to look great. So. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, that will conclude our guest questions. So um, appreciate you answering them and, and giving us a peek into uh, you know you as a, as a hobbyist and as a player in this, uh, in this magnificent game. So we're going to go ahead and jump into war band questions. And we'll yep. go ahead and start with, uh, you know, getting into harnessing the storm, right? So um, let's talk about curse breakers. Uh, in particular, what is it about this specific warband that makes them worth learning and playing? Yeah, well, I think if if you want to play a magic warband, I think they're probably the maybe the only choice at the minute for making a competitive build. I mean, there may be Eltharis as well, but. Uh, they definitely have the strongest. They've got three mages, whereas everyone else only has one max. Um, they're also, if you like having high wound fighters, there's three with four wounds, which uh, a lot of people enjoy those sort of warbands. If if you're not into playing, uh, it's good for learning the game, I think, as well, having a low model count, so you have less to think about. So I think if you're getting into the game, they're probably a good one to, to start with as well. Okay, cool. So, easy to get into, quite powerful magicians, or wizards rather, and um, a bit forgiving, you would say? Yeah, I mean, if you commit 
too early with them. You can be you can get in trouble, but I think they do they can be forgiven because of their good defensive stats and as well as their good card pool that you can choose from. Makes sense there. Okay. So tell me about the fighters. What do they like? How do they work together? Um, and you know, what are some of their strengths individually? Yeah, so first you have the leader, Abraham Stormsar. He's a level two wizard. Uh, he's got three movement, one block, and four wounds. Um, he's got two attacks. Uh, it starts off uninspired. He has his fulmination attack, which only does one damage. Uh, he's rolling on focus, uh, but it's three range, which can be good. And it, as it's pretty easy to inspire, you can get that damage up pretty quick. Um, he also has uh, Encounter Staff, which is a two range, two hammers attack for two damage. Uh, that can be useful if he's uninspired and you want to get a kill off uh, early in the game. But generally, you'll use the magic attack. Um, as when he goes up to inspire, they inspire all the warband inspires by casting a spell, which is probably one of the easiest inspire conditions in the game. Uh, and when he goes up to inspires, encounter staff stays the same, but he gets two damage on that fulmination attack, as well as going up to two block. So it makes him a pretty sturdy. Uh, and then we have the other two fighters. They're quite similar. We have Amos Dongard and Rastus the Charm. One of the best things about their fighter cards, I think they are the only cards in the game, or the only fighters in the game that have a spell action. They have an empower spell action. So if you cast the spell, it not only inspires them, but you can reroll one attack dice each time this fighter makes an attack till the end of the phase. Um, Amos has two attacks. Well, they both have two attacks uh, before they inspire. Uh, she has a two hammers attack for two damage with knockback, as well as a three swords attack with two damage. Um, whenever she inspires, she goes up to three three damage on that attack with three hammers. And if you take into account, you've probably empowered to get that attack. It probably becomes one of the most accurate attacks in the whole game if you've got uh, three hammers with a reroll. Uh, another perk of inspiring with her, you can then roll dodges as well as shield uh, when you're defending. They both only have one block as opposed to the other storm casts that go up to two block, but because they've got that extra extra dodge, it, it definitely helps defensively. And then Rastus, he also has two attacks. Uh, so he's got two hammers, two damage, uh, a normal attack, storm save. And then he also has a two hammers attack with Cleave for one damage. Uh, when he inspires, though, he goes up to three hammers, two damage with Cleave, which uh, isn't as much damage as Amos, but if you're against a uh, warband with lots of lots of people defending on shields, then uh, he can become one of your, your main fighters and get that Cleave. And he also has the Empower spell action, so uh, if you're rerolling one of those dice, it's they're the most accurate attacks in the game, I think, uh, without any help from cards. Yeah, right on. So, seems like really powerful stats and um, a lot of really cool synergistic abilities, not only with magic through that empower ability, but the ability to um, be, you know, pretty decently accurate once the empower goes off and then, you know, hitting like trucks. <laughs> yeah, they're particularly good at counter punching, so you can sit back, you can use your spells, get inspired, and then when someone comes at you, you can hit them back very hard. So people are don't really want to come in unless they know they can get a kill. 
That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So when looking at the Warband as a whole, do you have a favorite fighter uh, for any particular reason? Uh, well, the obvious choice is probably Stormsire, but personally, I like Amos quite a lot. Um, her ability to hit so hard with the three hammers and three damage, and coupled with the knockback, sometimes that can get you over the edge even without an upgrade to uh, kill a fighter, maybe by knocking back into a lethal or something. But I'd say, if I'm being honest, it probably is Stormsire. Uh, he's, especially if you're playing into hordes, as you can get multiple attacks off, and kill quite a few low wound fighters from range, as well as having that two block. Yeah, I, I think so. He's, he's definitely one of my favorite fighters in the game. He's, uh, he's, yeah. he's pretty solid and and a natural good choice, I think. Um, so now that we've kind of covered how this warband works, how would you describe their strengths? You alluded to magic earlier and counter punching. Um, what are, in your opinion, their Greatest assets? Yeah, well, their ability to score quite a lot passively um, means you don't always have to engage. Uh, I think they're one of the best warbands for scoring passively and playing as a control play with a couple with your magic. But I think then if you want to go the other way, they can also be very effective aggressively um, due to their their really accurate attacks as well as, like I was saying before, with Storm Sarge, uh, three range magic attack for two damage. You can play them in a multitude of ways, I think. Um, and I guess what are, which one do you think is kind of the most powerful that makes them so meta-defining? I'd say uh, this is probably what puts people off quite a lot, but the ability to kind of sit back and score things like just by casting spells. Uh, there's no other warband that really does it like them. Um, not engage with the fight, but then as soon as people come and are close to you and maybe set up to try and make some attacks, um, their ability to then just be able to kill the fighters quite easily with uh, accurate and heavy damage attacks um, means that they've got the best of both worlds there, really. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Sounds like definitely the best of both worlds. Um, So it doesn't sound like they have very many weaknesses, but I'm sure they do have some. How would you describe them? Yeah, well, like all three fighter warbands, I think if one of them dies early, that can be very problematic if you're left with only two fighters, um, as well as their low speed. They only have speed three with a lot of warbands and Beast Grave having a lot. I think most of them have up to five movement now, uh, at least four movement. Um, so you can get caught there with not being able to make the attacks you need to. Uh, even with Stormstar's three range, uh, they're definitely not as fast as the other warbands. And even though the, they're quite good defensively, um, Amos and Rastus do only have one defense die. So if someone gets like a crit hit or two hits, you do have to roll that crit to, to save them, which isn't as good as uh, the other Stormcast. Right on. Yeah, I think the one of the biggest things we're seeing in Beast Grave is they, they move really fast. <laughs> yeah. And they so it is, it, it is harder to uh, to keep up. And even the uh, the slower ones like Nurgle, like the Worm Spat, they have tricks up their sleeve to move faster if they need to. So yeah. Yeah. definitely interesting there. Um, so you know, after talking about what they're naturally good at and what they're naturally not so good at, what strategies or play styles does this warband naturally find successful? Um, and if, in addition to what you think they do uh, well at, you know, are there any alternate ways that 
people can play them if they choose to do so. Well, the way I play them, I play them very control focused. Um, like I said before, with the counter punch, but uh, they've also had a lot of success running full aggro. I think before this meta, uh, with the Grimwatch kind of Thorns meta, before Hearthcorn and Wormspout were out, they were very strong playing that aggressive type of style. As they play very well in the low wound fighters like that and disrupt some objectives. But I think at the minute, um, with Throthcorn and the Wormspout about, they're probably the best way to play them is to sit back and try and score passively and then until you get inspired and you're able to definitely hit them hard and things like that. Do you find like passive strategies uh, like Lost Pages or Tomes work well with the Curse Breakers? Yeah, well, I played, I played quite a lot of the Tomes with them. Um, before Hrothcorn, they were, in my opinion, they were the best Tome bearers. Um, I've tried quite a bit with the Lost Pages as well, and I think it is a good strategy. But at the minute, with only the four Lost Pages, and with, well, two of them are good, but the other two aren't aren't great at the minute. Um, can't take away from your upgrades when you have to use five upgrades just for four glory. Um, whenever two of them aren't, aren't so great so I don't think it's as strong as the Acolyte at the minute but maybe when we get the other two lost pages uh, that, might, that might change if we can get some good spells, actions maybe with them I mean with the Arrows Instant Shield is one of them that's definitely that's a card I'd take anyway uh, and the Jared Sphere can work very well in conjunction with all the things I think you've done uh, a deck yourself which uses the Sphere and putting damage on that, double Storm Sire build think that can be very effective as well right on yeah i appreciate the shout out um i i do find them more uh personally more enjoyable uh just for me uh when i kind of have that ability to hit really hard when i want to you know you're alluding you're mentioning actually that counterpunch capability and so from a from an aggressive standpoint you know whether it's the double storm sire or not do you feel like the Warband can play the aggro game as well? Yeah, I think they definitely can. Uh, they were just much better at it um, before Hrothgorn and Wormspot were out <laughs> because there was a lot of hordes going about and there was things to kill. The only problem now is you're probably going to see a lot of Hrothgorn and Wormspot. And the Wormspot are just very hard to kill with their damage reduction on Hrothgorn. If you go too close to him, he can easily get you in one or two shots. So... I think at the minute they're best play control, but uh, they still have a lot of success playing aggressively. Because you're still right. going to come into a lot of the other warbands anyway. Yeah. Still and I guess they're just they're so stat heavy, right, that they can kind of go toe to toe, at least for a little bit. Yeah, they can still like if you get the right if you get the right spell cards out, for instance, you can still take down a Hrothgorn or Wormspot um, quite effectively. But it's just it's quite a risky strategy. Uh, maybe going on the front line if you're playing a Hrothgorn or something else that hits equally hard. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. As the game has progressed, four wounds doesn't seem like a lot anymore. Yeah, especially if you just get Hrothgorn with Glory Seeker on or something and he's he's able to one-shot them all. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the Molog effect. Like We've all played yeah. games against Molog and even Hrothgorn where yeah. like three to five attacks in, your whole warband is, is gone. Yeah, I think that's the problem when you only have three fighters. You do have to be very careful with that when the other when the opponent has someone who can take one of your fighters down early. Yeah, so interesting. Um, so you know we've talked about their strengths and kind of what you would 
how you'd pilot them in this current meta. Um, are there any other, I guess, strategies that you would focus on, particularly in this Hrothgorn slash Wormspad dominated environment? Yeah, well, especially with Hrothgorn, his ability to score passively um, means that maybe you probably can't out-passive him. And if he's playing aggressively, like I said before, you have to be very wary of him hitting you early. So I think you have to try and work out what what type of way that those warbands are playing. The Wormswept tend to be playing, I think they're played best aggressively as well. Um, with Hrothgorn, there's kind of a couple of ways at the minute. Um, so it's hard to know what way to set up sometimes. But uh, I think it also depends on your card draw. Like if you know you've got spells in hand to be able to take them down quite early, then you can probably set up aggressively. But if you have to sit back, and usually I my go-to is to sit back and wait and get them inspired and then get into the fight. Okay, sounds good. Makes a lot of sense there. Um, so when, you know, planning for whatever strategy that it is that, you know, you may be doing, what are your favorite faction-specific cards? Let's talk about maybe like four to five of them. Um, ones that you would never leave home without when building any Cursebreaker deck from their faction. Yeah. Well, I think the most obvious choice, I'm not sure if anyone's ever made a Cursebreaker deck and not put Harness the Storm in. Uh, it's one of the easiest cards in the game, just for mm-hmm. casting one spell. So that's definitely in there. And then on that same note, they've got Magical Supremacy for just casting two spells in and that's an end phase card. Um, if you're playing more aggressively, I think Measured Strike is a good choice. Uh, it's just a precise use of force, um, basically, for a faction-specific one. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the spell gamuts, they've got uh, Cry of Thunder, which uh, you can basically shoot someone. It's two channels, so it can be difficult if you don't have any innates stacked on. But you can hit someone for one damage from any part of the board. It doesn't have like a four or five hex range just from anywhere. And it also uh, puts one damage onto any adjacent fighter. So I think that's a very strong one. It's hard not to put in. Um, And then add the storm if we're going with upgrades. That's your innate uh, channel. So going with them, if you're playing spell heavy, which I think is the way to go really with curse breakers, uh, getting that innate. It can be very strong. Um, another one, I haven't used Lightning Whip as much, but I can see it, uh, again, with your deck and different decks around Lightning Whip. would be a very strong choice, if you're, especially if you're playing aggressively, just to get that reaction, to get that extra damage on. Um, Tempest Smite is another one, doing plus one damage onto any spell attacks. So you can get Storm Sire up to three damage, or if you're using the Sphere Lost Page, you can get... One of the one of the other guys to have a two damage attack. Uh, one other I'd say is uh, lightning assault. Um, it's just a reaction. Uh, a lot of warbands have this one. We just react, and you're able to make a failed attack again. So if you're playing aggressively, um, I think that's a must take in there as well. Yeah. Funny story on uh, Tempest Might. My first major grand clash was Adepticon 2019. I got second and I in, in like the fourth round before the cutoff I was playing a Magora's Fiends player and I put Glory Seeker and Tempest Might on Stormsire oh, um, so he's doing four damage and I just literally like cast it Fulmination three times and, and eliminated three of its fighters well, yeah it's like the dream if you can get that going yeah, four damage it was nuts um, but yeah. yeah those are all great cards um, 
definitely ones that you must consider when building a deck. And more often than not, you're probably putting all, if not most of them, in your deck. Yeah. Well, it depends on if you're playing controlled or aggro, but pretty much a lot of the time you'll have you'll have most of them in there. So let's talk about universal cards. You know, you mentioned Yara's Instant Shield is one you'd never leave home without. What are some other yeah. universal cards that really support the Curse Breakers? Well, in terms of objectives, uh, all the kind of spell spell related ones like Strange Demise and Arcane Expertise for taking out fighters, they're always they're always useful. As well as uh, Overpower for casting a crit. You're casting so many spells that you're bound to get a crit, although I have had it in my hand <laughs> sitting there for in many games. I still will always put Overpower in there. Um, and Rising Power as well. Uh, if you're using that in conjunction with Well of Power, maybe Sphere of Gear, uh, Potion of Rage, things like that, then Rising Power is a very easy surge to take. Um, in terms of End Phase, they have Magical Storm, which for casting four spells, um, you tend to be able to get that pretty easily as well, unless you're having really bad luck with your dice because you, you stack so many spells in there. Um, you tend to be able to get Magical Storm pretty effectively. I would also say the multipliers like Combo Strike, Great Gains, uh, Opening Gambit, things like that um, are always very useful to have in there as they tend to have quite easy surges and ways to score glory pretty effectively. And I've kind of messed around with Perfect Match a bit because of that, but um, I'm not sure if it's a good choice for them, but it's definitely something that you can put in and, and try it out because um, they're probably one of the only warbands who could effectively use Perfect Match, I would say. Uh, and then Acolyte of the Cat of Friends is just my personal choice. I like having it in there. Um, it's definitely, if you like to play that type of playstyle, they're worth trying with the Acolyte. I think behind Rothgorn, they're probably the second best choice at the minute for using that. In terms of gambits, uh, like I said before, you want to stack it with spells. So any of the damage spells like Sphere of Ashki and Abyssos Withering, Saget Salvo, um, they're always useful. Um, also, the objective destruction, you can, there's two spells in there to disrupt objectives. You can destroy one with Unmaking, or you can flip one with Invert Terrain. Uh, I think they're always useful, uh, especially if you're coming into something like Grimwatch or Thorns, you can really disrupt their, their game plan. Um, if you're playing aggressively, you definitely have to have some sort of help with your movement. As I said before, the speed can be a problem, so I'd probably stick Spectral Wings in there, uh, maybe a few of my crystal as well. Um, and my personal favorite spell is Sorceress Repost. Um, so mm -hmm. if someone fails an attack, it's reaction. Not only does it block other reactions, something like Rip the Snarf Fangs, uh, can really, really do make problems for them, but it does two damage on them. It is two channels to hit, so if you don't have an innate on, it can be difficult, but because it's so strong, I think it's definitely worth having in, in any Cursebreaker deck. Uh, in terms of upgrades, I'd say you need some help with your survivability. You've only got three fighters, so you have to be careful with that. I'd say Eldritch Ward, um, uh, minus one damage to any wizards is a must-take as well as the obvious ones like Great Fortitude. Um, uh, the Substance Siphon uh, it it may get FAQ'd uh, in the future, but at the minute, because on Amazon Rastus's card, it says rules of shield and dodge are successes. 
it means that if you have substance siphon on in like a third round, you're rolling three dice with both shield and dodge being a success, which may actually get changed. I'm not sure if that's the way they intended that to work, but for now, uh, you can definitely use that effectively. Uh, the Tome of Offerings is particularly strong on Stormsire. Uh, as he's got his multiple attacks you can get off, especially if you're playing into Thorns or Grimwatch or Goblins or something like that. You can get multiple kills with Tome of Offerings pretty easily. Uh, the Well of Power, um, to increase the wizard level, you can either increase Stormsire to 3 or get Amasur Rastus up to 2. Um, that can be very strong for helping with your spells. It also helps with Rising Power, with, uh, which what I said before. And on that same note, you've got Arcane Savant. Uh, you can get that cap doesn't work on Stormsire, but you can get Amasur Rastus up to a level 2 wizard, which can help a lot. Uh, other upgrades, I'd say things that give you innates or able to change your spell, so incantations and arcane familiar. Uh, not only does that mean you can get successful spells, but if you do roll that double crit, it gives you damage, you can change one of them to lightning and it won't affect you. And then I'd say the lost pages, like we mentioned before, they can definitely be used effectively. Um, but hopefully we'll get some better ones in the future. And the tomes, uh, I think that with the tomes, maybe Hrothgorn's the best at the minute, but there's, I think there's still an effective build there with the Cursebreakers using the tomes. Um, Glory Seeker as well, just to mention that, is because, uh, as you said before, if you can get Stormsire up to like three, four damage, then, or you can get Amos right up to three hammers with a reroll doing four damage, that's very strong. Yeah, great, great great array of cards and, and, and you know strategies that work really well with the warband. I think a lot of the scoring off magic is great. Um really plays into that passive and aggro strategy. And then, you know, survivability and speed being two of their um I guess uh, ways that they can be susceptible to other warbands and their opponents. So I think yeah. those are great suggestions, man. Um so now that we know kind of how they play, what they're good at, what can potentially hurt them, and, and what cards augment their play style. Let's talk about their preferred matchups. Um, we don't have to get too specific, but you know, if there are some, you kind of mentioned Thorns, Goblins, and uh, Grimwatch. Um, but in general, what kind of warband do they like to fight against, and, and why? Well, if you are playing them aggressively then the Horde Warbands are what you want. You can get a lot of those easy kills off quickly. Um, but if you are playing a more controlled style, maybe with Tomes or with Lost Pages, I think playing an aggressive Warband that has to come to you, um, you can offset the boards, you can longboard them, you can make them make it life very difficult for them. Um, so it kind of depends on what way you've built your deck. As if you play a more control, uh, you probably don't want to play the objective Warbands as much uh probably prefer playing aggro but if you're playing aggressively then for sure it's other warbands with lots of low wound fighters that you want to be playing to get as many of those kills off as possible especially if you can get an early tome of offerings and storm so i can really run right so we talked about the their kind of strengths here you know they they like kind of running into chaff and tearing them up and then when you're kind of playing a little bit more controlly or passively um, kind of having your opponent come in piecemeal and then picking them apart uh, while still scoring your magic and attack action upgrades or objectives rather. 
seems like the uh, optimal strategy here. So what do you find is most challenging for them? I mean, we talked about Hrothgorn and Malag earlier. Um, do you find that those are the most challenging matchups? And how do you overcome them? Yeah, I think for sure Malag is always a problem. Um, when he can just kill your fighters, maybe even two of them in one round if he's inspired. I think he's something to be very afraid of. Uh, Thundrix is also a problem with all their cleave. If they can win boards, they can get in at you and keep pinging away. But I think the best way to overcome, especially with Malag and Hrothgorn, I mean, depends on your, if you get a good hand at the start when you've got the ping damage and ways, you can kind of go one or two ways with it. Um, with Molog, there's less things to try and kill. He's only got his spite shroom and his the squigs there, and they're usually right at the back. But with Hrothgorn, I think you can try and you can either try and kill him early, or you can try and go and kill the smaller things and try and avoid them as best you can. I think that's a risky strategy. Um, the reason Molog is so difficult is it's hard to get to his guys. Even if you win board setup, you can tend to get in at you. Um, so I think you do you just have to try and kill him as best you can. It it's, used to be worse when he had aggressive defense because you had your best fighter at taking him down was probably Amos because she can get in and get a very strong attack, especially if she has an upgrade like Glory Seeker. But what used to happen is you just charge with Amos and he'd just uh, aggressive defense and hit you back and take you out. Uh, not having that in there probably helps with that matchup. Uh, another annoying one can be Mournflight um, because of their two dodge and their ability to score just as well passively. I think they can be very frustrating when you're going in with Storm Sire. He only has, it's not that accurate an attack with his uh, two looking for focus on his magic attack. And against two dodge, it does seem like they're able to defend them quite a lot. That makes sense. I've also like found that in the past, like Godsworn, were really, really good into the curse breakers, and I think similarly the wild hunt, who kind of uh, exhibit a similar play style, can do really well into curse breakers because of that speed advantage. Yeah, they're able to get in at you, and with upgrades, they can be very scary and do a lot of damage, especially with wild hunt at the minute. There, you might be running pit trap and snare at the same time. With something like inspired attack, suddenly even if with uh, upgrades, they'll they'll be able to take you down, even if you've got some survivability upgrades on there. Yeah, that's one of my one of the reasons why I find them so enjoyable is that you never know what they're going to do um, and yeah. how hard they can hit you. Um, so kind of similar to the curse breakers, although you kind of know how hard they're hitting you. Um, yeah. Unavoidable, both the same, I suppose. So. Um, let's look at your preferred board setup. When you're when you're setting up the board, you've mentioned time and time again that there are two particular strategies that you focus on, either aggressive or more passive slash controlly. So um, I'm assuming your board setup does change on your strategy, but do you have a particular board that you prefer um, or is it kind of just general concepts that you abide by? Yeah, I use quite a variety of boards depending on the matchup. Like you said, you, you want to avoid using block taxes for the most part um, so that it can't block your ping spells. Um, but unless you're playing something like Thundrix or Far Strider or something, then you might want to use them to hide behind as well. 
Um, I'll generally, if you're playing control, you want to obviously do your offset or even longboard against something like Thundrix to really make it difficult for them. But uh, if you're playing aggressively, then you want to have one of those boards, like maybe the shard pit, so you can get right up and just start the fight uh, really quickly. Uh, the Grimwatch matchup, for instance, you kind of have to either decide uh, whether you're going to let them inspire or you're um, because they have so many ways of stopping you anyway, even when you do do that. Um, you may better just letting them inspire and playing it like that, even though uh, they get a lot better inspired. So it does depend on the matchup, um, whether you set up. You tend to want to be able to empower or inspire before you go into a fight, um, no matter what. So you might put then your offset as well because of their speed. So if you're playing aggressively, you might want to get in there quickly. So it does definitely depend just on what the matchup is, whether you want to sit back uh, and let the fight come to you or whether you have to take the fight to them. Right on. So um, I think that's the best way to sum it up. If you want them to come to you, make it to where they have to work for it. And if you want to go to them, make it as easy as possible. Yeah. Sounds good there. Um, so my last question for you, specifically in regards to the Curse Breakers, is um, what are some things for new players to keep in mind if they're playing the Warband for the first time or someone is revisiting the warband? Well, I think it's always best to inspire as early as you can. Uh, it may seem like a waste of an activation using empower actions, but it's very important to get inspired before you're in there and you have to fight. Um, also, I'd say don't commit too early unless you have to. You don't want to just charge Storm Sire in first activation and he's sitting there and uh, can't do much else unless you've got a lot of spells, but I would say wait until third, fourth activations of each round before you leave them open to attacks because the last thing you want is Storm Sire being able to be hit three or four times or Amos um, because the four wounds used to be a lot, but it's really not these days. All it takes is a couple of attacks to hit and they'll be able to take you down and completely ruin your plan. So I'd say um, I think tendency when you're new is you want to just charge all the time, but it's definitely better to wait until the best moment, uh, let them commit first, or um, if you want to go for a specific target, then try and wait it out till third, fourth activations of, of the rounds. Okay. And um, any other tips for, for newer players? Yeah, well, like I was saying, with uh, inspiration, I think it's definitely important to inspire them. Mm-hmm. Uh as it, they become so much better. Um, it's Amos and Rastus uh, getting the accurate attacks. You don't really want to charge with their three sword attack whenever, if you wait on activation, you can get her up to three hammers with a reroll, and that just makes such a big difference. Yeah, it, it really does. And, and you get the reroll, as you mentioned. So I guess, um, you know, for, for any of those who are looking to revisit the Warband or trying them for the first time, uh, inspire early. Don't overcommit and uh, hit hard. <laughs> so cool. Thanks, Benny. I appreciate the insights of the, the curse breakers. I'm sure, uh, you know, the, the, the community is going to find a lot of value there. Um, what I want to do now is jump into our rapid fire questions. Um, this is more of a fun segment where it's kind of where we can kind of have a little bit of uh, enjoyment before we uh, close out the episode and learn more about, again, your preferences in the game as well as some of your favorite fighters and, and what you've done so far. 
And, uh, uh, you know, it should be fun. It's supposed to be fast, rapid, furious, if you'd like. Um, First thing that comes to your mind. Ready? Okay, let's go. Okay, number one. Who is your favorite fighter in the game? Say, Frostcorn. Okie dokie. Favorite warband to play? Um, Probably also go with Frostcorn's man, Travers. Okay. (laughs) Follow-up question to that is, what does that say about you as a person? (laughs) So I like big (laughs) fighters that can read books. (laughs) Okay. I I feel like it kind of says you're a power gamer a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe Curse Frostcorn, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's all right. I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I played Curse Breakers and Profiteers. So, yeah. um, if you could bring back any card from season one, so I know you only started in Nightfold, but I know you've heard of some of the older cards. If you could bring any one of those back to this current format, what would it be? Uh, illusory Fighter. I'll go with. Uh, it's a nice way of getting away from people and without having to use a charge. Tower. You can use it when you have a charge token. I think that's pretty nice. Strengthening that uh, tone build, I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so I know that you don't paint, but is there a model that you loved your dad? You loved that when your dad finished painting them, or are you looking forward to a model that you can't wait to send your dad to paint? I think Marlog is, is a great model. I know lots of people don't like playing against them, but I do love the model, Marlog. And has your dad painted it? Yes, he has painted him. Uh, it looks it's pretty good. I haven't played much Moloch, so uh, it'd be good to get him out. Awesome, awesome. Um, who is your least favorite fighter in the game? And this can be for any reason. The way they look, the way their stats are, or the way they perform to you, or, or how bad they beat you, you know, whatever. Uh, um, i probably say Gristle well. Uh, the amount of times he just comes in with his two swords <laughs> and rolls a crit and suddenly uh, maybe pit traps you as well and he just takes you out in the first activation. I'll probably go with him. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've definitely been on the receiving end of that many times. Yeah. No fun there. Um, great choice. What warband would you like to see in the future? This can be any mechanic, faction, style, model count. Like, What is something that you'd love to see? Well, I love the look of the Seraphon. I know I've heard this quite a lot of people wanting a Seraphon warband. I think maybe that with uh, a couple of casters in there. So there's other warbands that you can play with magic would be nice. And just the look of the Seraphon, I think that would be really cool. So like a magical Seraphon warband? Yeah, I think that would be really nice. That'd be real cool. Like some lore of heavens around? That's yeah. nice. Um, cool. So if you could change one thing about a current warband or card in the current championship format, what would it be? Um, I think Barclad's push action just seems crazy. I mean, when everyone's packing all these uh, pushes and he's able to just do, what is it, five fighters in, or four fighters in one activation, maybe change that so that he gets a charge token or something, so you can only actually do that once per round. Like that would probably make it a bit, uh, a bit more balanced. I agree. I, I agree. Pushing five fighters, two hexes, uh, yeah. or no penalty on any any fighter's <laughs> part is is quite strong. Yeah. Um, I kind of agree. I, I think the move action is a good choice, but uh, I think a limit to once a round is also just as a 
acceptable. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I appreciate you answering those rapid fire questions. This last one isn't much, very much fiery at all. Um, and, and I don't think it's rapid either, but, uh, where can people find you if they want to hear more from you? Well, I'm pretty active on the uh, discord, uh, Benny 3191. So I'd say that's the best place to give me a shout. If you have any questions or you want to chat, get some games in, whatever. Awesome. Yeah. Actually, I got a couple more for you. Come curveball questions if you want. Um, right. So, you know, I guess Hrothgorn's your favorite Beast Grave War band, but do you have a favorite Shade Spire one? Uh, you played a lot of Reavers, so it was very different <laughs> when I was first playing the game. Uh, very different to my usual tone builds these days. I just also enjoy uh, just getting stuck in, and you can just charge is always the best option, pretty much. <laughs> less, less things to think about. Right on. And a Nightbolt one? I'd say Curse Breakers, just because I've played them, played them so much. And yeah, I enjoy their, their play style. I'll probably go with that. Awesome. Okay, well, those are the only ones I had, but I was curious. And, and I, I am yeah. generally pleased that you said a reverse. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, well, Benny, thank you so much for your time today. I know that it's been a pain scheduling this, this call. Um, and you've been so patient, so I really appreciate it. For those of you who don't aware, we've rescheduled at least five times. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think four of them were because of me. Uh, yeah. So, um, again, I, I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I wanted to give you the opportunity to, you know, say, you know, have a couple words on, uh, you know, where you can kind of promote either local events, online events, things that you're working on, and uh, kind of give a shout out to your community as well. Yeah, well, um there's a big online event coming soon in July, and if you'd like to be part of that, um, definitely give me a shout. Um, so I'll be running that one. Uh, the more people we can get for that, it would be would be very nice. And it's been a pleasure coming on, so that's no problem at all with the reschedule and stuff like that. I, I really appreciate that, and and you know you've been so kind there, and yeah, I'm looking forward to that event, the the one you're hosting online. Yeah. So that should be a fun one for sure. Um, well, I guess everyone, that's it for this episode. Thank you again, Benny. Um, if you have any feedback, questions, or comments, let us know on Facebook at Path to Glory Podcast. You can also follow us on Podbean, where you can find the show notes for this episode. Please do rate us on iTunes. It really helps spread the word for the podcast and, and, and spread the joy of Underworlds to many people. You can also follow us on Twitter. Um, we're trying to be a little bit more active there. <laughs> and uh, you know, be on the lookout for our YouTube channel as well, which is coming soon. And so, as always, thank you for listening, and we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory. Always remember to pack, harness the storm. (laughs) 